we started going a lot on Clubhouse and just sharing a lot of, you know, our story and、um, answering questions and being in conversations. And we noticed that a lot of people on there, or even just in general, they're actually looking to start a business as well, especially during COVID.、Uh, you know, people are looking to pivot from what they're currently doing to into something new. Our discussion today with Christy Liu of Vancouver's Launchers Academy is a well-needed back-to-basics episode of Economics. Whether you're still looking for an entry point or in need of a refresher course, our episode today will cover all you need to know to start, continue, or evolve your dropshipping pursuit. Beyond that, we also take some time to discuss the nature of running Launchers Academy and the vital needs to best delegate tasks and responsibilities. A lesson each of us are well to learn. Christy Liu, it is good to have you here on Economics. Was I rehearsing that today? Sounds sounds rehearsed. Anyways, how are you doing today? How are you feeling? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you for having me,、uh, Joseph. It's been amazing.、Um, it's been a sunny day today, and I'm just super excited to be here.、Um, talk about e-commerce. Share my story.、Um, share everything, really. Excellent. Well,、uh, just a, just a quick uh, unrelated uh, aside for myself as well.、Uh, longtime listeners know that there is a I wouldn't call it a, a C plot or a D plot, more like a K plot. But every now and then, I'm worried that they're going to have to drill in remaining panels for our balcony. And so, like one episode actually ended just as we were about to wrap up. Oh, so, so that was that was our cue to leave.、Um, they finished it. They, they let they let us out. We're finally、uh, we, we we've gone from confined to free room. So、uh, so that feels good. You know, little 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 bits of freedom here and there. We'll we'll take them as we get them. All right, got that out of the way. Just wanted to let everybody know we're slightly more free than we were yesterday. So, Kristen, tell us what you do and what are you up to these days. Yeah. So again, I'm super excited to be here.、Um, so I'm Christy. I'm a co-founder of Launchers Academy, an e-commerce mentorship agency based in Vancouver,、um, and we help aspiring entrepreneurs globally get started in dropshipping, build a winning store, find winning products, and run profitable Facebook ads.、Um, and Launchers Academy is one of the most intimate e-commerce mentorship agencies right now in the industry,、um, and a lot of new e-commerce entrepreneurs really are excited to work with us. And we also have Have you know really great、um, service in terms of our mentorship, a lot of individualized support, and always answering a lot of our students' questions、um, in our private community. So、um, it's been a pleasure working with a lot of entrepreneurs、uh, through Launchers Academy, and I'm also、um, you know super passionate about dropshipping and e-commerce. As my 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 most consistent of listeners know, you know they they tune into to、uh, to economics and you know they expect an e-commerce podcast, and most of the time they get an e-commerce podcast, but it does branch out into the the very nature of the human condition, which I didn't see that coming when I started doing this. Let me tell you, but I'm glad that we do. So, I'm, what I'm looking for today is to、uh, sink our teeth into some some quality dropshipping talk. It's great that dropshipping it continues to be a you know a, a viable strategy. I've had a lot of opinions on the program. We've had some people who shy away from it for one reason or another. We've had people who are all in. We have people who use it as a starting point, and then they they usually transition depending on how committed they are to the product. They they move um, onto um,、uh, other. I don't I don't want to say like advanced, but I would say like more involved、um, methods where they're more closely、um, interacting with the product. Maybe getting to a point where they're. They have their own warehouse and even doing their own manufacturing. So, so, so good on them. There's definitely a lot of ways that it can go. What I would like to actually start with is actually your, you know, your take on dropshipping and where you feel dropshipping, what place that it has in the e-commerce、um, industry right now. So,、um, in in 
going into 2022, going into, you know, uh, Black Friday, it's, we're recording this in like, just on the cusp of July, but, you know, people are already yeah. having the Black Friday conversations. Right now, where do you feel, where, where, where is dropshipping's place in, in the e-commerce industry? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, you know, we get a lot of people asking us that too, because it is one of the myths out there right now that dropshipping is dying. Um, however, we believe it's not dying because, you know, dropshipping like any other is like any other business model out there right now. Um, it is a fulfillment model within e-commerce where you don't have to buy or manage inventory, um, especially at the beginning. And um, you have suppliers dealing with all that for you. So, um, you know, shipping, managing inventory. So, Getting started in dropshipping is um, has low upfront costs um, and also low barrier to entry. So it's actually a really great model to get started, especially if you're looking to build your own online business. Um, and how we see dropshipping is it's really, you know, it's part of e-commerce. It's where you're testing out products first and trying to find a product that really sells before you really dedicate all your time and money into this one particular product um, that might end up you know, if you don't test it at the beginning, it might end up being um, a loser, a losing product, which is a product that doesn't actually make sales. It's not in demand. Um, so we really see it as two parts, right? The first part is um, using dropshipping as a method of testing these products to find the one that's really going to sell. Um, and then the second part is going into the branding stage where you have this product now that it's making you consistent sales on a daily basis and you're able to move into you know, a one product store uh, that sells just this particular product. Um, you're able to build a bigger brand around it because you know it's selling um, and you're able to you know, build a community, um, build your store around this one product. Um, so it's just been, it's a great model to really test products first before you dedicate all your time and money into it. My next uh, follow-up to that, um, there, there's two pillars to it. One is what I know from, from looking into what you and your co-founders have been up to is that you have a great deal of experience in dropshipping. It was a success for you. And I actually, well, I'm putting a pin in wanting to hear your, your success, success story. I'm going to have to find a new word for that because that word has turned into a struggle. But what I find uh, from a lot of the people that I talk to is like with dropshipping, they move into, you know, private, private labeling, white labeling, manufacturing, but they also move into other areas of e-commerce. They focus uh, largely on you know, maybe advertising, um, brand building, um, uh, influencer marketing. They become a heavy presence on YouTube where they just turn into an influencer and want other people to have the same success. There it is that other people have shared. So people have branched off in a, a number of different ways. Um, what compelled you to um, commit to, to dropshipping and be able to provide the service to others? Yeah, so a bit of background on how I got started here. Um, sure. I'm actually, you know, I have a background in marketing and design. Um, I've worked at Incorporation. I've worked at um, startups uh, as well as um, agencies. And I also co-founded my own strategic design agency along with actually one of our co-founders at Launchers Academy, Melissa. Um, so the both of us uh, took on a lot of clients and we helped a lot of um, e-commerce clients actually create their branding, um, create their brand strategy, create their websites. Uh, so it's been really exciting working with e-commerce clients. And I've actually um, haven't had too much experience in e-commerce before um, until really last year. Um, so uh, it's been really interesting e-commerce in general, just having your own product and building a big community around it, um, creating a brand that's well known. So um, that's been one of my goals that I've recently had. And that's what 
I looked into dropshipping along with Melissa and we saw that there was a lot of potential, um, especially it being, um, you know, low barrier to entry as well as low startup, uh, upfront startup cost. Um, that was one of, you know, a great model that we wanted to test out. Um, so we, we actually tried it out ourselves, um, doing it ourselves at first. Um, there's so much inconsistent information out there. So then we, um, you know, we invested in mentorship ourselves and uh, learned from several coaches and we were able to really, um, you know, within just two and a half months, we were able to reach five figures. And that was amazing because, you know, when you, who, when you start a business, it's really hard to really get um, you know, that revenue up for, uh, right when you start. So this has been a great model because, um, you know, just following some proven strategies, you're able to get your store up and running, um, test out different products through Facebook ads, and then you're able to find a product that's going to make you consistent sales on a daily basis. And that's how you can reach you know, five figures within just two months, really. And that's been an amazing journey with dropshipping. You know, one, uh, not that there's any shortage of limiting factors, but one limiting factor that even I deal with personally is the concept that my time can actually be worthy of a five figure, worthy of six figure. And I'm pretty transparent uh, on this. And so, you know, there, there hasn't been an episode where I don't get at least like a little nervous being able to talk to somebody whose time is, is valuable and identifying that, recognizing that and doing my best to, to make that worth uh, both of our while. And, and, you know, and it's, and it's been helpful for me to be in the presence of people whose time has become more, you know, objectively valuable, uh, but not everybody gets to host, uh, host this content. So for you, did you encounter any limiting factors in believing your own ability to actually be, more, you know, financially uh, valuable, especially in regards to your time? Yeah, I've always, you know, just being, I worked in, you know, a nine to five before, and um, I really wanted to get that sense where I'm able to make, um, you know, passive income on the side, which is what dropshipping was able to provide me because um, I was making income by just getting sales and the supplier is doing all the fulfillment. So I don't even have to manage the shipping myself. and I don't have to dedicate too much time to it. And I can also hire virtual assistants to help me. Um, so that's kind of the model as to how you can run this business further. Um, limiting factors, I would say in terms of, in terms of timing, it was just um, just having a lot of different roles to take on, um, which was really beneficial for me to have a business partner to work with, actually. Mm -hmm. um, so my co-founders, Jaden and Melissa as well, they have their own specialties. Um, for example, Jaden is an expert also in e-commerce and um, he does a lot of advertising as well and just everything he's really a big expert on too. Um, Melissa is uh, also an expert in advertising and um, finance. So, so she manages a lot of the um, kind of back end of things too and also the marketing side of things. And uh, for myself, I was able to focus more on um, you know, creating a store that's converting and um, putting together product pages that really sell. Um, so that's what my main focus was. And I had a big team with me. So I actually recommend, um, you know, anyone that's looking to start, it's always good to start with a partner as well, um, because you're able to cover more responsibilities together and uh, really ensure that the business is moving forward. Well, I think that's a, that's a great point. And I think having um, people be accountable to one another as well, just to make sure that everybody is, you know, whatever, here's your task for the week, week goes by, 
you know, did you do them? Because it's it's one thing for us to let ourselves down. It's another thing to let other people down and have that 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 tangible feedback. Uh, not to dwell too much on the negative side of it. Obviously, it's also exciting to uh, to build that momentum together um, uh, collectively. So <laughs> even even I like you know I I talk to friends, I talk to family. And at some point, everyone that I know has in some way, you know, spoken to me about e-commerce um, either because a lot of times, you know, people talk about their, their struggles or what they're going through. And I tell them, hey, you should listen to the podcast. Maybe you can start selling quilts or something. So my question is, maybe you've even been able to um, educate some of your students on this because I don't think everybody who's come to you is an individual. In fact, I know that's true because I've seen some of your testimonials and sometimes there's partners who are giving you testimonials. So what have you found to be the right terms and conditions for people to set when they're going to work with one another? Yeah, that's, um, it's definitely, you know, when you're working with someone else, it's, um, you might disagree on things, for example, how to design the store, how to, what kind of products to sell. Uh, yeah, I would say in terms of, um, term, just agreeing with each other, you want to, first of all, set expectations. Um, so this is what, you know, you expect from each other in terms of what you're dedicating your time too. Um, and then also, I think it's so important to really determine the different responsibilities because otherwise you could have a lot of overlap um, or you're not sure who's doing what. Um, so when it comes to just clarifying the responsibilities, expectations, um, when you're working together, it's just so important um, and really being accountable for each other, right? So if one of you are falling behind and not to, not able to complete your tasks, um, just you know making sure the other person is able to follow up, um, take care of any ta uh, outstanding tasks if they can, and just um, really respect each other and communicate whenever there's any problems. That's always really helpful when it comes to working together as a team. If there was a way to, I'm about to make up a word, which is fundamentalize, um, distill to the, the fundamentals um, in the same way that the three of you represented three different pillars, what would you say would be like the fundamental roles for, for a team to play? I'm, I'm going to guess, I'm just going to take a shot at it myself. You definitely have to have somebody in the marketing um, and I, you definitely need to have in the back end. So I think front and back end are probably the two most essential, like light, dark, uh, start, stop fundamentals, but that's me. I'd like to hear your take on it. Yeah. Yeah. So for us, we have three people. So, um, we were trying to split up the tasks based on what our strengths are, first of all. So what we're the strongest at and, you know, Jaden, he was, he's actually a serial entrepreneur and he's uh, been in the scene for a long time. So he has a lot of entrepreneurship skills and uh, time management, uh, marketing. So a lot of it, he does more of the planning. Um, so he's more of our CEO. I would, uh, he is the CEO. Um, so he does more of the planning and in terms of the strategy of things. So he does that. And then uh, Melissa, she, I would say also the role is, you know, finance, you need someone managing all the financials within the business. And then um, she also does, you know, when it comes to e-commerce as well, you're always running ads, um, especially in dropshipping, you have to test a lot of products upfront. So she also helps out on the advertising side of things. Um, so she manages that. And she's also very strong in terms of marketing content. Um, so she'll be able to review some of the content as well and provide her insights on, and she's also strategic. So she looks at competitors and see how we can market our products better than our competitors. 
Um, and then for myself, I would say I'm more on the tech side of things. I was able to step back a little in terms of marketing because um, I have my partners, Jaden and Alyssa, managing most of that. So for myself, um, the technology side of things is also super important uh, when it comes to running an online business, um, especially in e-commerce. Uh, for example, putting together the website, uh, the store, uh, super important. You need to know what are the you know what strategies to execute when it comes to putting together a store that really converts and makes sales. Um, so that's what I focus on. And then anything in terms of also putting managing the tools that are able to help us execute processes more uh, smoothly and automate a lot of processes. That's also my responsibility. Um, so I do that. And of course, branding as well. Uh, when it comes to putting together a business, you need your logo, you need your brand guidelines with the colors and text. Um, you need to understand your target audience and what they're looking for. Um, so that's what I also do in terms of branding side of things. So websites, tech, branding, that's all me. Um, and then for my other two co-founders, more on the strategy and uh, marketing side of things. And one thing that I think is uh, key to take away from this is that it's not as, I mean, it's not as um, simplified as like saying, well, one person's rock, one person's paper, one person's scissors. What you have is each person has different pillars within their own skill set. And, you know, there's, there's, there's blending, there's, there's crossover, there's ways for people to support one another, because let's just say if I don't marketing exceedingly well, but somebody else kind of knows it, they can help identify my blind spots and, you know, and keep, and keep me grounded. So I don't get too far ahead of myself. So I think that, that that's more, I think, um, honest way to look at it is, you know, each person has their own stack of skills and are, and are working together in a, in a cohesive way. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, um, I know a lot of the audience here might be um, running their business on the, their own, uh, which I also have, we also have students that do it themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and honestly, they're just, it's amazing because you have to learn so many things and take on so many responsibilities. Um, but I want to also uh, mention that later on, you can outsource these tasks um, and also find, you know, hire virtual assistants to help your hire experts to help you. Um, so it's not overwhelming definitely is just for us we were able to start as a team um, and of course that's been exciting uh, journey working with my co-founders and each of us having our own areas of expertise and areas that we're passionate about so uh, but definitely if you were to start yourself it's definitely doable um, don't be intimidated by all the different responsibilities you can always um, find help you know, as long as you're you're able to drive yourself forward and stay motivated um, and really plan out your time and responsibilities, it's definitely doable if you want to get or start your own business. Yeah. And I, I would say it's a pretty consistent through line whenever I got to speak to, you know, many of the people who have uh, taken it up upon themselves is that most of them to some degree are part of a group, whether it's a, it's a mastermind group on Facebook or it's a community or right. they just... They, they, there's somebody that they follow on YouTube and they're commenting often and they join the live chats. Um, a lot of people have mentors. So even though, you know, somebody is, a, in, 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 no matter how independent somebody is, and you and I consider myself an independent, I mean, I, just, I, I throughout the day, there's like 50 people that I rely on that I don't even think about who keeps my power running. Who uh, who's, who made my, my my coffee today? All of that stuff comes up. So there are there are limits to uh, the actual individuality. Not to say that I'm a, I'm against or anything like that. Quite the opposite. But yeah. we have to recognize that we all, no matter how independent we think we are, we are always depending on at least like 50 people to make it through one day uh, to the next. So. 
here's my plan. I have a very specific question that I ask, you know, agencies or, or services or companies um, such as uh, what you're doing. It's um, and then after that, what I also wanted to ask about was case studies. And I think because we've talked about you know individual stories as well as group stories, I'd like to hear um, examples from both. So, so that's chambered, but. This is, you know, one of the the ecom onyx trademark questions. Here goes. Um, what was the origin, in specific, of Launchers Academy? Um, you know, like what good year it started, and when you know you, you and your group were working together on this, um, how, what, what would you say was the most uh, distinct problem you were identifying that your group needed to solve? Right, right, right. So for Launchers Academy, we actually started last year. So we're quite new. It's been um, almost a year and it's been amazing. Actually, we've worked with over, you know, uh, over 50 clients already around the world. Um, so it's been a lot of impact that we've made and uh, we've helped a lot of clients launch their store and uh, set up their business and everything. Um, and so for us, we actually, again, we started in the dropshipping space. So myself, Jaden and Melissa together, we uh, started dropshipping together and we were able to find success through that. Um, and then we found that we started going a lot on Clubhouse and just sharing a lot, um, you know, our story and um, answering questions and being in conversations. And we noticed that a lot of people on there or even just in general, they're actually looking to start a business as well, especially during COVID. Um, you know, people are looking to pivot from what they're currently doing to into something new. Um, and we wanted to really share our tips and story with everyone. Um, there was just so much interest. It was a little overwhelming. And um, we thought, you know, we already, we tested out so many different methods and we worked, we invested in coaching ourselves. Um, and we also were able to come together and put together really proven methods that helped us succeed. And we're also, uh, the three of us are all super passionate about helping others and giving back to the community as well. So we really wanted to not just keep that knowledge to ourselves. And we wanted to teach other people how to do the same, right? Because, mm -hmm. um, you know, we are also passionate about gaining financial freedom, uh, putting getting passive income, um, you know, working together as a team and helping a lot of people around the world. Um, so that's when we put together, uh, we created Launchers Academy um, so that we can teach people that are aspiring to become online entrepreneurs, how exactly to do that from A to Z to set up their store, um, to find these running products within dropshipping, um, to run Facebook ads and create ad creatives that are really compelling. Um, so a lot of that, um, you know, it comes together from our experience and our skill sets individually. And we're able to put together an online course um, as well as our mentorship program that has more personalized support. So we have a private channel where we um, answer questions daily and provide audits on people's landing pages, um, campaigns before they launch. So we make sure that everything is set and proper before we actually get them to launch. So um, there's definitely been a lot of service that people have appreciated and getting feedback and the mentorship that they need to go through the dropshipping journey. Uh, so it's been amazing. We've been helping so many people and uh, they all really excited to get started in e-commerce and launch their store. Okay, so one thing that stuck out before I uh, ask you about the case studies, and I guess this kind of transitions into it while we're at it, is you know when you're doing audits of, uh, of landing pages, um, what do you tend to catch the most as, uh, this needs to be, this needs to be worked on. This is, uh, not ideal. Yeah. 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 So for that one, I, um, there is a lot, I did find a lot of patterns and I'm super excited to also talk about 
know, what really makes a landing page convert, right? So when it comes to, first of all, it should load within three seconds because uh, the, the landing page you're you're driving your ads to this particular page and people are going to click into it if it captures, if your ad captures their interest, right? Um, so when they go onto the page, if it loads longer than three seconds, usually people hop off. They don't even wait for it to load. So you want to make sure, number one, that it loads fast. And how you do that is keeping your images small, the file sizes, um, and also not using too many widgets or add-ons or plug uh, plugins or apps and all that sort of stuff. Um, so making sure that's, you know, it's loading fast. And then number two is um, really having product names that capture people's attention. So it shouldn't be, you know, too long or too vague. It should be something that's interesting when it comes to the product name and everything about the product really. So the images should be also high quality and not have too much text and uh, graphics on there. It could get a little confusing. So you want to really highlight the, the product um, and increase the perceived value of the product. Um, and then most importantly, when it comes to the product description itself, which is super, super important because people do read through that. Um, and we noticed that a lot of students or even just people in general, they tend to focus more on features and not product benefits. Um, at the end of the day, it's the features, uh, the features don't sell, it's the benefits, right? People want to know if a product is able to solve their pain points. So that's what you want to highlight when it comes to the product copy. Uh, you really want to highlight the benefits, not the features. Um, so that's definitely one of the important points there. And just not having your description being too long because uh, people can, again, you can lose their attention. You want to make it easy for them to digest and understand the benefits of your product. Um, and then lastly, I would say customer reviews. Uh, so a lot of people don't tend, or at least the people that we've reviewed, um, you know, websites in general, not even just our students, they tend to not include customer reviews, uh, but people but potential customers do go onto your page. They do look at the reviews. They want to see what other people have, what their experience was with your product, um, what the product looks like. Maybe they took some photos in the reviews and that's always great to have because you're uh, really building credibility and increasing the perceived value of your product, which can really help you in terms of converting that visitor into a sale. So you definitely want to make sure that your landing page is really showcasing your product benefits um, and also building credibility for your product, for your brand. That's all very important in making those sales. On the subject of credibility, and one of the issues is those early reviews are the hardest ones to to, to get because you know they you need to uh, sell people on the product. They need to be happy. They provide reviews, and so one of the workarounds has been to you know, import the review from AliExpress if that's where the supplier is coming from. And so, what I'm wondering from your uh, expertise is, um, you know, alternative methods to that, like, you know, reaching out to family and friends to provide reviews. Me, I I know that's an option, but I tend to shy away from that because it's like asking my mom for money. Like, I don't want my success to be measured on how much I rely on my mom. I mean, anything else in the ether? Any other uh, options people have? When you are starting out, um, you know what you mentioned about AliExpress is actually part of the methodology where you're importing the reviews from AliExpress so that um, you know people can actually look at that when they go onto your page. Yeah. Um, but once you start finding that this product is selling well, um, you can start investing more time into building actual new reviews from your customers that actually bought the product. So that's where that's when you can look into email marketing, which is also super important mm -hmm. in really scaling your 
um, scaling your business. And that's where you can, you know, you can send out an email that says, oh, uh, you know, leave us a review and get, you know, a certain discount off. Um, that's definitely uh, very helpful when it comes to getting people to leave some reviews um, and just really appreciating their purchase and um, showing that you care and you want to know their feedback. Um, that's always really that's always really positive in creating a great customer experience and connecting your brand with your customers. So I would say leverage email marketing at that stage um, and try to gather some new reviews from the, your emails that you send out to your customers. So, so as I had, uh, as I had uh, planned out was the uh, case studies question. So we're going to hop to that. Um, <laughs> I, what I like to do is I want to fixate on a certain point, which is when the, the students, sellers, they're both in this case, the, this revolving around when they finally you know, got through the door and actually started to, to, to get through some of those first sales. And, you know, what were some of the things that uh, were, were working for them, how it aligned to the right product. Um, and then the next thing I actually want to ask you about that. And I also want to go on record and say, I can, I don't know how to keep that pin any longer because you did talk about your backstory anyways, that's housekeeping in the middle of the episode. Anyways. Um, so the next thing I also wanted to ask you about as well, I actually managed to drop. So never mind. Just move right along. So tell me about the case studies. What are some of the ones that stick out to you? Yeah, we definitely had a lot. Um, and these are people that are coming from no experience with drop shipping or even just e-commerce. And they're able to really launch their store within you know, thir- uh, 60 to 90 days and make sales. And it's been a great journey being a part of that and seeing them grow from the beginning of joining us and uh, you know, the, the graduation and um, furthering their mentorship with us. So it's been great. And uh, the ones that really stand out, actually, we um, recently had a student. Um, his name is Philip. So I'll, probably, I'll talk about him. Um, yeah, he's uh, found his winning product. So what that means is he found a product that's able to get him to, you know, to five figures and more a month. So um, that's been really exciting. And it's been making him consistent sales on a daily basis. Um, so we call that a unicorn, <laughs> just mm-hmm. uh, making, um, you know, consistent sales and um, really being an attractive product in the market. Um, so it's been amazing. And we've been helping him scale at their Facebook ads, um, really targeting more uh, lookalike audience now, um, targeting more people that are uh, similar to who are already buying from him. So um, that's really how you can scale it in, in the, into the millions, right? Um, so we're also helping him start to, well, I helped him build um, from a general store uh, where he was selling a lot of different products uh, from different niches. And that's where he found his winner. Um, and now he moved into a one product store. So um, that's always the goal. Um, you move from the general store to the one product store once you find consistency. Um, mm-hmm. So he's been putting together his brand now for this particular product, um, starting on building a social media presence as well. Um, that's usually at the later stages once you are able to um, you know, determine that consistency and invest more time and money into this product. Um, so now he's building a community. Um, he's definitely, uh, he'll probably, you know, order the product himself and take some quality images as well to use on his um, new store now. And he's been testing out more different methods to increase his average order value. Um, and we've been helping him along the way and suggesting a lot of different strategies so that he can capture even more sales um, from people going to store and just consistent improvements throughout the process and um, finding ways to really succeed even further now that he found his winning products. Um, and he was able to you know, make already uh, over 100 sales within just weeks. 
And that's definitely a big achievement because um, we always like to say 90% of products and dropshipping are losers. Um, so you really have to know the methodologies behind finding those 10% of winning products that are going to make you millions uh, later down the road. So uh, it's been an amazing journey and just seeing him launch his store um, and make sales already off the bat, that's been great. Um, and and he hasn't really tested too many products. He just, um, because he's able to test quality products. So he didn't need to spend a lot of time and money on products that are just not going to sell at all. So he actually found it um, really early on when he just launched. Um, and he's been with us for um, three months now and he's extending with us. So we're able to help him further um, along the journey as he scales. So that's definitely a great story that we've recently had. And I thought I would share that. Excellent. Well, uh, a couple of things uh, stuck out to me. One of them, I remember the question that I dropped like seconds after I said that I forgot of it, which is uh, about the testing, um, which is something that I wanted to um, to ask you about really throughout this whole thing so far. So let's let's, uh, let's jump to that. So with winning products and losing products, here's what I know so far based off you know the conversations that I've been fortunate enough to have. Um, products obviously have to solve a problem. You know, address uh, address a need. Uh, you find the, the, the deeper, the pain point, the more relieving it is to, to find a problem, a product that solves that problem. So, so there's that. Exactly. And then there's the wow factor, which is, you know, a product that really like is a showstopper or a scroll stopper. Uh, people will like, oh, wow, I've, I've never seen that before. But what I find fascinating about this whole process is that it's not like any product out there is designed to fail. Like every product in some way, shape or form is designed to you know, be used, be, be bought. So what have you found to be the qualities or lack of qualities rather of the losing products? What are, what are the ones they're testing it? They're trying it. They're giving it their all. And for some reason, it's just not working. Yeah. So with the losing products, that's, you know, that's for us with, because we teach a proven uh, methodology behind finding these products, they're already considered, um, you know, considered products that are really good quality. It's just when it comes to the market, that's hard to determine, right? You That's where the testing comes in, where you're trying to find whether or not this product is really um, appealing to this particular market, even though it's, you're able to prove, or you're able to pick this out of so many other products, right? So it's really depends on the testing of things and how the market acts. Um, but for when it comes to picking the products, we always tell um, people to, first of all, Think of the different niches out there right now and think of the trends. Um, so again, not just, you know, trends that will die out in a few months. Mm -hmm. uh, we're thinking about long-term trends here or long-term you know, benefits that people can get from using this product, um, as well as the popular niches right now. For example, it's during COVID right now. We're still, many of us are still, you know, at home and we're trying to make our house, uh, our life at home comfortable. So um, and definitely any products that are home-based and make your life more comfortable at home. Those are really popular products right now. Um, there's also products, you know, some people are looking to go outdoors as well. So anything outdoor is actually also really popular. Um, so you look into these popular niches first, which is why we also suggest creating a general store, uh, which you're selling uh, different products initially. So you can test out to find which one is the winner. Yeah, just think, thinking about the popular niches right now. And then uh, when it comes to actually picking the product, we do, um, you know, some of the tips that we have is uh, making usually women dominated products are more popular, especially because our 
advertising avenue is usually Facebook because of how targeted they can be with their ads. Um, and actually, a lot of the data shows that majority of people on there are women. So um, that's been one of the traits that we usually teach uh, students when it comes to picking a product. So something that really appeals to um, women. But of course, you can sell it to anyone. But um, just it's just that's more of the bigger market, especially if you want to find your winner and test it out and um, see if you can get a lot of sales from that. Um, and then the other one would definitely be something that you don't just find in you know, the drugstores or uh, big box retailers, uh, because that's already showing that it's a little saturated um, because other stores out there are already selling it. So people can just buy it from there instead. Um, so that's definitely another tip there. And then I would say it has to be unique. Um, it can't be something that you see every, but I guess that kind of goes back to my previous point, but something that looks, yeah, like the wow factor, right? You just see it and you're like, whoa, this is so cool. I want to try it out. Um, especially when it comes to advertising on Facebook, we are um, targeting impulse buyers and uh, you definitely want something that really captures their attention, looks interesting because that's what makes them click into the video, click into the ad, uh, go to your website, learn more about the product. Um, so you definitely want that whole process to be interesting for whoever is viewing your um, ad and wanting to buy the product. So um, those are some tips uh, when it comes to picking the product. One thing that's definitely stuck out to me in all of this uh, is the transition from general store into single product store. Just to remind everybody about my bucket analogy is that my brain is a bucket and my bucket is under a waterfall. And the reason why I say that is because I, to my recollection, I don't think I've actually talked to anybody who uh, has uh, focused on this on this strategy. And the reason why I use a waterfall is because, I don't know, maybe it just was part of the overflow. But all of that uh, said, uh, I'm actually really fascinated about this. Full, so full disclosure, I mean, my 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 brand right now is like, it's, a, it's work at home, home living brand. So, you know, very, very COVID friendly, but it is fixated on, on a single product. And, and I've gotten, I mean, again, I get all, every kind of opinion possible. And so I have gotten the opinion of, you know, focus on that. Uh, don't go ham on like having a bunch of products on, on your store. It might get cluttered. So I, I just want to hear more about what are the, I guess, the, the, the lines to draw or what are the, the limitations for a general store? Are we talking about hundreds of products or is it picking and choosing? And obviously in all of this too, we're also centering on, uh, on a brand, right? It's not like, at least I don't think that a general store is so general that they just sell anything under the sun, like pet toys and then kitchen and then garden. And then, um, I don't know, they just go on and on and on like the pillows. So consistently what are, what's making general stores work at the very least as a testing, as a testing ground. I found it funny that you actually mentioned about all the different categories of products. It's actually, uh, that's what the, the strategy is. So, oh, okay. My, um, my, yeah. My apologies. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, no. Um, so just to explain a bit about that strategy there, right? Um, so this is a, a general story. You can think of it as, um, you know, the branding is going to be general too. It, usually people like to name their um, like trendy zone. That's one of the names of the um, store. So um, the goal with this this general store when you're starting out is just um, to, it's, it is your testing playground. So you look at it as somewhere you can test out different products. And most of the people that are coming to your store from Facebook when you are running the advertisements, um, they're actually just going to stay on this one page, uh, whichever the landing page you're going to direct them to. Um, so that's often, you know, whichever product you're testing out in terms of the ads. Um, usually people don't 
go to other pages. So they're not visiting, you know, throughout the store. They're just looking at this one product. Um, they're trying to make this purchases very fast. Um, so, and that's where the strategy comes in where you're just testing out this one product that you're running ads on, um, seeing if you're able to capture a lot of sales before um, you, th and that's how you determine your winning product. And then you move into your one product niche store. And later on, you're able to um, once you have more consistency with this one product, you're able to sell other products within the niche as well. Um, so for, for example, if beauty is your winning product niche, um, so you can sell other beauty products as well within the store. Uh, but when it comes to the general store, you're actually testing out different products from uh, you know, different niches um, and seeing which ones sell, uh, which product is selling well. And again, you're not really directing them to your catalog or anything is just going to this one particular page um, and trying to see if this people are going to click by um, whoever you're targeting within your ad. So it's very, very specialized, I would say very targeted kind of funnel. Um, so they're actually not going to your other store, but they could, I mean, they could look at your other products and they're seeing, you know, oh, this looks cool too. Um, we haven't had trouble with people uh, being a little thrown off with a lot of different products. I think some people like to look at different products, but again, I can see that this strategy is not very common and um, it's just more of the process that we have when it comes to dropshipping that really worked for you know, ourselves and also our mentors as well. So I'll, I'll start by um, uh, clarifying um, my own um, misalignment of my information, which is general is general, that's the name, but then there's you know niche general or general niche which is probably more what I was what I was thinking of. So that was just my uh, my little miscommunicate for the day. So my my YouTube counterpart uh, on uh, Connor uh, early on, him and I were were doing some tests as well when we were being uh, trained up, so that uh, you know I understand this uh, a little bit better or a lot better. And we that's, so we we ran an ad, and the ad uh, had uh, got our account banned. Which is not uncommon. Lots of people mm -hmm. run into to, to banning issues on Facebook. Oh, yeah. We think the reason why we were banned was because we were leading people not to a landing page per se. We were leading people to a product specific page. So what I think is the right thing to do here is your landing page, which is like the home page is catered to focus on the product that you're testing. So instead of going to like a welcome page with a welcome mat and say, hi, how you doing? Here's us, the, the, the homepage, the very first thing that they see is structured to focus just on the product. Am, am I right? Yeah, exactly. Because you are, your goal is to test this one product, right? If you drive the call to action to the homepage, people are going to get lost. They're not going to know, oh, where's the product that I was just looking at on the ad? They might, you might lose them at that point. So you want to make it really easy for them by directing them to the exact product page. And, um, you know, they look through all the information. You have the add to cart button. We call it the buy it now button. Um, but yeah, they'll add it to their cart and then that's the goal of the journey that you want them to go through so that you can really see those sales coming in and whether or not this product is worth investing more in, in terms of ads. And then uh, on, on the subject of ads, uh, I, I'm, I'm happy to get your take on, on ads as well. Um, so there is a, a formula that has come up numerous times and I just wanna get your uh, reinforcement of it or perhaps reputation, I don't know. Um, it's uh, hook, old bad, new good, uh, benefits over features, call to action. That's been the the formula. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not the one to to, to oppose it, uh, nor do I want to 
um, preconceive whether or not what was your take on it. But let's just go specific about talking about the ads themselves. Is I, I know you, you can't like actually talk about the exact thing that your students are selling. There's confidentiality there. So all yeah. of those asks aside, is um, what have you been finding to be the consistent uh, rules that have been getting people to? I think the reason the, the way I want to specify this is again focusing on the fact that this is bringing people to a a, a general store and. Mm-hmm. I tend to think about this as if it's advertising a single product, it's bringing people to a single product store. So, okay, here's 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 the way to make the question unique for you is, do you have any changes to the formula because it's a general store rather than a, a single product store? For that one, and when it comes to putting together the ad, again, the, yeah, the call to action is going to go to your uh, main product landing page. Um, and we actually use video ads, uh, not image ads. So the video itself is going to showcase more of the product and then you'll have your general store branding there as well. Um, so in terms of, again, having the hook is definitely really helpful. For example, highlighting the product benefits, but we actually do that within the the video itself and um, ha- making sure there's um, people talking about the product. Uh, so that that is all within the video. And then um, also having our clear call to actions. Um, that's definitely really important when it comes to creating an ad that really captures attention. So yeah, that's mostly the formula when it comes to putting together the ads. Uh, again, there are a lot of specific strategies behind it as well. Um, but generally that's what you want to do. Um, so using video ads, having, you know, highlighting product benefits as well as having people talk about your product. That's always really important. And um, it's definitely been a formula that's been working a lot, uh, very consistently. There's one part of it that I want to get a little bit more uh, focus on. So let's just say hypothetically, um, this was the ad that I'm running for a general store. And then I transitioned over into a single product store. Does anything change about the ad? That's a great question because you're going to have to actually redo your ad because um, you have a different branding now and you have a different yep. website and you have a different uh, logo. So you do have to redo it. Um, sometimes uh, if you are getting a lot of consistency, then you could, because it's a general store name, so people don't even know what the exact product is. Um, you can get away if you just keep your, it depends on how general or how good your name is. Um, and so you can keep the ad going and your branding and then just change your website first initially around the one product and just changing up the content first. Um, the branding's part could come a bit later, uh, depending on you know, if you're already making a lot of sales from this one particular ad that you uh, created. So um, that's kind of, that's definitely a challenge when it comes to switching into that one product store, but eventually you're going to have to do it because then you can build a bigger brand around that one product. And that's actually, um, you know, we have a lot of examples as well. So uh, there's a silky skin code that I always like to talk about with my students. Um, they made, you know, millions now and um, they sell the uh, the laser, IBL's laser hair removal remover device. Um, so they've, you know, they've tested the product and to find this one product that's really selling. And now they're putting together their one product store that really focuses on this one product. And even just if it's just one product, it's actually a lot of work to build a big brand, um, build, you know, uh, create a store and focus a lot on building the content as well. Um, getting brand recognition, it's a lot of work. So um, even if it's just one product, it's definitely, it's not easy. I guess there's there's one more part of the picture here that I think is worth asking, which is 
uh, have you found any viable reason for a general store to stay general? Or would you say it's pretty well uh, set that as soon as the momentum starts building, you got to move to a single product store? That's a great question that I haven't actually answered too much <laughs> of. Um, so, um, but I think my take on that is um, if you want to scale it, then definitely the one product store, because then you're taking your efforts off of, you know, this general store. Yeah. You also have to manage, uh, all these different products on there that are still selling. Um, you have to manage all these different suppliers from these products. And a lot of products often change in terms of like pricing or availability. And you're just having to all constantly, um, update your store around this uh, one or the, your general product. So it's definitely a lot of maintenance and I would rather put that into just one product that I'm able to find a better supplier for, um, do white labeling or, or uh, put my logo on it, order um, in bulk and um, you know provide faster shipping. There's so much you can do with this one product, right? Um, so I would definitely just spend my time more on it, on this one product, especially if it's able to scale into the millions because that's definitely been that's happened to a lot of people in this space. That's probably the thing that sticks out the most to me um, having this conversation with you, just because of all the information that I've collected so far to have a means to recalibrate it in my mind. Really, I mean, it's been a year and I, and I never really thought about the general testing into, and again, blind spot. If somebody uh, can figure out a time where somebody else said it to me, email me podcast at debatify.com because I owe you a Coke. Now that Shopify has upgraded to version 2.0, we needed to make sure we were up to speed. So we've released version 4.0 to ensure that we're 100% equipped to take advantage of the 2.0 revolution. If you haven't upgraded your store, head on over. And if you haven't gotten started, now's as good time as any. Here's another one that I had chamber for a little, a little while here. This is based on your, your, your tech expertise. Is the, the most common term is the shiny object syndrome. So how do you know when to upgrade or when to stick to your guns? Uh, how do you like, you know, when the, it's right to, yeah, to, to make the change, you know, resist temptation, um, you know, dealing with fear of missing out on like on some new, uh, some new app. So uh, one way that might uh, be a good starting point is actually just run through like, what are the general, you know, um, tools that you recommend people, people use? Um, and then I, I, I'm just really curious to hear is like how you reconcile when and what what to use and when to make an upgrade. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So for, with that, you know, with that, when it comes to coming up with your tools, so we actually use Shopify. Uh, well, I guess that's given here with yeah. Debutify. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, we use Shopify, and there's so many apps out there, right, that you can download. Um, but we, as we mentioned, as I mentioned earlier about loading speed, you definitely don't want to download too many apps that leaves a lot of script on your website, slows it down. Um, so picking the right apps is super important. Um, and that's where also, you know, just knowing the, I guess, what's worked for other people, um, then you're able to follow behind their footsteps uh, versus trying to figure out the apps yourself. Um, so for us, uh, the apps that we always share with people, um, you know, even in our own podcast and our uh, on Clubhouse as well, we actually host a lot of uh, chat um, conversations on there too. Uh, well, we always tell people to, you can start with some simple tools. There's a lot of free tools out there as well. So um, Oberlo would be one. Um, there's also, um, I would say when it comes to fulfillment, there's Aftership. Those are some of the 
tools that we use. Um, again, Debutify, of course, um, that's always a tool we recommend to people. Um, just because starting out and you wanna keep it simple, right? You don't want to have uh, managed too many different tools. Um, especially when uh, you're not too tech savvy. So a lot of our students are actually just quite new to technology, new to Shopify. Um, so we want to give them some simple tools from uh, from the start. Um, even for ourselves, we want to keep it simple as well. We want to um, not have to manage so many different tools. Uh, so those are some of the main tools. You really, you, for in terms of the tools, you just need um, you know tools that help you automate your process. Um, for example, with uh, the overload, they're able to automatically fulfill some orders um, and, and other tools that um, are able to, I think later on down the road, some tools that are able to increase your average order value. Um, so if you're able to set up volume discounts or bundling, um, that's super important. Um, and I would say other tools would be, you know, any tools that able, are able to help you communicate better with your customers. So uh, chatbot, um, that's a really great tool that you can have um, to provide that um, human touch point with your customers. Uh, so those are some of the main tools I would say when it comes to, you know, the, when you're first starting out. And then later on, once you focus on scaling, um, it's super important to have tools that help you increase your average order value. Um, so making sure you use that. And I know also Debutify has a lot of other add-ons uh, that are great to have to use to increase um, conversions as well. For example, skip cart, um, you're able to go directly to the cart. So I would say just looking at um, starting off with some simple tools and then seeing how you can further, um, you know, upgrade it to access more features as you find, you know, if you, as you start scaling your store. We're, we're getting pretty close to the hour mark and um, might go a little bit over, that's all right with you. Uh, yeah, no problem. Okay. I'm, uh, for one, like I said, I'm still calibrating uh, my, my main takeaway for the day. So it's definitely been you know, uh, a good quality hour so far. So what I want to do as we start uh, wrapping this up is I got a couple of um, more like fun perspective questions for you. You don't have to be like the, the, the authority on these. It's more just, you know, for the fun of them. So this is by far, at least, you know, since I got up today, the silliest question that I've asked. Picture a scenario where you have like a doctor or a mechanic, you know, they're, that, that's their profession. And throughout the day, everybody that they talk to is in e-commerce. So like one seller after the next, after the next, after the next, after the next. I'm wondering about, I guess, like the, the limitations of this as an industry where what's going to stop, say, like an engineer or, or a doctor or anybody in an active profession from, from throwing their hands up and saying, yeah, you know what, never mind. I'm going to go be an entrepreneur. And then next thing you know, we don't actually have anybody doing anything else because it's so it's, it's, it's high risk. So that's actually one of the right. main reasons, but it's so appealing. And, and most people love freedom. Some, some people don't, you know, um, ha happy for them. So, so what do you, what do you think are, I guess, the barriers to the e-commerce and what would you think what would you like to see as like a healthy ecosystem of, of sellers and buyers? And the buyers are basically anybody who's not doing e-commerce or at least not as much. Well, I think that, you know, when it comes to entrepreneurship, it's you know, not for everyone. Um, some people are more eager to get started. Some people just prefer to be more comfortable in what they're doing and what they're passionate about. And everyone has their own passions, right? Um, for myself, you know, I'm passionate about design. I'm still within the design space, um, but I also like entrepreneurship. So I'm also building my business on the side as well. Or Well, right now it's more of my um, main, main project, but, um, you know, before previously when I got started, it, it was more of on the side. 
Um, it was more of something that I would do after working, um, you know, after working on something that I'm passionate about and then doing something else that I'm also passionate about. So um, I think it's finding the balance between the two when you're first starting out. And, um, you know, what when you do scale, there does there is going to be a lot of dedication needed. And that's when you can decide what you want to pursue further with um, when it comes to having a business as well uh, as what you're already doing with your career. Um, so I would say finding a balance um, is definitely doable. Yeah, for those people that, you know, aren't too keen on starting their own business, they prefer to stick to, you know, just having, uh, doing their own career, or their job. That's definitely, um, you know, a lot of people are like that still, um, even the people that we've reached out to. Um, so I think there's always going to be um, a good balance between the two. It's just now um, with COVID going on, people are looking for other ways to maybe spend their time. Um, so a lot of people are still at home. They have more time now. Um, they don't have to transit or drive to their office. Um, so after work hours, they're able to dedicate a few more hours into doing some, you know, a side project or side hustle. Um, and that's been actually a, a main reason for a lot of people starting with us as well. Um, they're looking for um, just some guidance on how to get started and not be, I guess, um, taking advantage of the time that they have from work. So actually a lot of our students have jobs as well. Um, so just uh, being able to set aside some time outside of your work hours and just dedicating it to starting a business, that's always exciting. And I think it's so valuable actually something else is to have multiple streams of income. So not just one stream of income, um, but having you know different projects that you're working on that are able to bring in income as well. I think that's always really great to have. Um, so you don't have to dedicate all your time and uh, efforts into this one area, but you're able to do multiple and um, as long as you enjoy all of them, of course. And I will follow up as well, just because, you know, I've asked this question in the past and I've had time to, to, to consider it. So my other standing positions have been for one, not everybody has the ability to take a risk, right? Some people, like you say, they're, they're comfortable. And yeah. also on top of that too, they also have people who are depending on them and it's just not really feasible for them to it. And then the, the, the counterweight to, to the, that as well is I also think it's important, as you say, not everybody actually even needs a scale. I think for some people, they're actually quite happy um, just running it as a small operation, right. something to uh, um, use their passion. And I mean, you have some people, they, they have their passion and this is a means to pursue that. And some people, they're pursuing their passion and this is just a means to, to, to accentuate that, to actually have an, have an opportunity to take whatever it is that they enjoy. Uh, and communicate it to others via commerce. So, so that's just to wrap that up, just some of my own uh, my own takes on it as well. So here's the other one, and then I will wrap this up. You've been on Forbes, um, Yahoo Finance, uh, Entrepreneur, just to name a couple of the examples of some of the uh, you know appearances and, and mentions and and so on. And what I'd like to get your your opinion on is, I guess the the next steps for the e-commerce industry at large is, do you? find that there is an element of this that needs to be more legitimate or there needs to be work for to change public perception of e-commerce. I know dropshipping, especially there's a lot of misconceptions about it. So uh, where, where do you think the, 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 the community and the industry have to focus some of their collective attention? I have a, I'm an advocate for customer experience. Um, I have a background in user experience design as well. Um, so I think when it comes to e-commerce, 
um, you have the online experience and then you have the physical store experience. I actually, for myself, I prefer both. Um, you know, I like going online. I like browsing products online, but I still like the in-person experience with the sales representatives, um, asking them questions, actually looking at the product and feeling the product. Um, so I definitely see there's been a lot of innovation in this space, right? There's, um, you know, bringing people from online experience to in-store experience. Um, I've, I've been into a lot of stores right now where, um, they're able to combine a bit of both. So you get that digital, you know, you're clicking around within the store and then you're able to also get help uh, if you're looking, you know, you're looking to learn more about a product in the store. Um, so I think that's been really amazing. And I know, you know, we're still in COVID time. So a lot of the experience has been moved online and a lot of uh, stores have been selling products online more. Um, so that's been a really, I think, interesting shift within the last few years, just online being such a big space. Um, so the online experience is also I would say uh, needs to be improved and focused on because it's now so important because people are shopping online more, um, especially during COVID. The sales, e-commerce sales just went so high. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, everyone's buying online. So um, I think uh, moving from the physical experience onto the online experience, it's just so important. Um, you know, when I teach people how to create their online store, their website, the overall uh, customer experience is so important too. For example, um, how I mentioned about having that live chat feature there to provide that human touch point for your, um, your visitors. That's, I think, so important because right now um, people aren't shopping online or sorry, shopping in person. So um, you still want to be able to interact with your customers through, mm -hmm. um, you know, something that's more uh, interactive and being able to answer their questions right away. I think that's so important. And then um, just in terms of presenting your product as well, um, you really want to get people to picture themselves using it too um, and sharing a story around the product. And um, again, talking more about benefits, not features. So um, the actual content itself is really important when it comes to creating a positive experience um, and also showcasing your product in a really good light that helps increase the um, perceived value for the product. So I think that's super important. And I would say when it comes to creating a positive experience, just keeping it simple, um, not having so many pop-ups that really um, are glaring on the screen and um, uh, just having a lot of uh, a lot of text all over the place, lots of crowded graphics and everything. Um, I think sometimes we overcomplicate things. We think that we show so many things and people are going to be like, oh, I want to click on this. I want to click on that. But it could actually drive people away. Uh, so just creating a really simple um, experience that really showcases more of the product, but also having your brand, of course, your branding uh, throughout the site. So consistent colors, consistent typography, um, that's always really helpful. Um, so I think, you know, shifting from more of the physical back to online, I would say uh, really focusing on the digital experience of your store. Um, that's really important when it comes to e-commerce, especially during this year uh, with everyone shopping online as well. Yeah, I mean, one thing that came to my mind as well is, you know, you, you describe the uh, with the customer experience and being inundated with a lot of website activity. And I can see people actually feeling rather defensive about it, where if you know, it's a shake here, the pop up there, um, you know, a, a swirl also on the spinning wheel comes up. And next thing you know, the like, <laughs> you feel under attack. So um, depending on what, uh, what what brand comes to mind, some brands are like that, too, in store. So, you know, some it's a, it's a consistent experience. So hats off to them. 
we're just about to wrap this up, as I said, but only because I alluded to some of the, we should say, quirkier parts of the e-commerce podcast that I get to do here. I feel like I owe you at least one quirky, weird question. So I'm just going to give it a shot. Um, from a spiritual point of view is, you know, we all want to feel like we are aligned to our part of a larger mission. What, what's your what's your take on, on, on the spiritual aspect of it? Do you, do you feel like aligned to where you should be at this point in time? For myself, my greater purpose in life has always been to um, be able to help other people achieve their goals. I don't know. I just really um, enjoy that. And it's definitely my biggest goal. And I was able to do that through Launchers Academy and um, just everything else that I do, you know, in terms of my um, helping clients as well with e-commerce, their e-commerce brands and everything, just helping people get started in general, um, start their business. A lot of people just tend to think a lot of it uh, when it comes to starting and they're paralyzed and not able to take that step forward. Um, so we just want to be there for them and um, encourage them, right? Like I, I was also in their shoes before. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to share my story and through this podcast, I mean, as well, and um, just kind of encourage people to don't be afraid to get started um, and entrepreneurship, it's just been a, an amazing journey and, um, you'll learn throughout the process, you'll grow. Um, and it's, it's just super important to get started first. Um, but yeah, for myself, I was able to help so many people and got a lot of great feedback and, um, just everyone has been really nice, um, and networking mm -hmm. with people and, um, getting to know, you know, everyday people that are just looking to find something that they could um, start and um, call it their own and um, mm -hmm. potentially become one of their main, uh, I would say main businesses that they do. Um, so it's been a great journey. And I would say um, it's been really fulfilling. And I, um, I'm always, you know, passionate about it every day. And um, just being able to help even more people get started and um, help them achieve what their goals are. Fantastic. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, glad glad I glad I asked that one. I wouldn't have been. I would have gone to sleep. Like, Man, I should have. You don't you don't start a thread and then not attach it. I've made that mistake before. All right. So we are we are all good to go here. The wrap up question. It's in two parts. First part is if you have any last bits of wisdom, like a proverb you really like, welcome to share it. But you've also shared us a great deal of information, so uh, non obligatory. That and then the other side is let the audience know how they can make contact. Yeah, I think uh, one thing I would say, tell the audience to take away is uh, just get started. If you're, you know, on the offense of yeah. um, starting a business or um, doing something that you've always wanted to do, just do it. Um, don't get, you know, don't feel paralyzed and worry about all the different things that could happen and uh, feel, be fearful of failure. Um, that's definitely, I think a lot of us feel it at some point, but we're definitely, if you're able to just take the leap and um, take the step forward, whether it's a big step forward or just even just little steps, mm -hmm. um, just get started because uh, once you take that first step, it's everything else will kind of fall in place and um, you'll be able to you know, find the other next steps to move forward with. Um, so just get started. That's definitely one of my uh, takeaways that I share with the audience here. Um, now, for those of you that do want to you know, get started in dropshipping in particular, um, we at Launchers Academy, we're always happy to connect with you and um, really understand you know, what you're struggling with in terms of getting started and how we can help uh, you achieve your goals of starting your store um, and launching it. So that's exactly what we do. Um, we teach our proven process from A to Z on how to find winning products 
um, create an online store that converts, uh, create compelling video ads, um, and also how to run and scale your Facebook ads to really create a successful dropshipping e-commerce business. Um, so how we can connect is um, we have our website, so launchersacademy.com. Um, we also have our podcast I actually wanted to share with the audience here because sure. we drop a lot of great tips on entrepreneurship and also uh, on dropshipping as well. So um, that can be uh, on, we're on a lot of big platforms right now and, uh, or you can um, type in launchscammy.com slash podcast. Um, so get in touch with us there. We also have our Instagram at Launchers Academy. So uh, we're always happy to connect with everyone who's um, you know interested in entrepreneurship, interested in dropshipping. As you uh, as you described, you know, as you answered the question of just uh, you know just get started, it'll come to you as you go. It, it made me think of this analogy really for the first time, which is you know the water is the coldest before you get in. So you like they, oh, yeah. they, they touch it, but then you get into it and then you get used to it and then you're swimming. So uh, that, that that came in my mind. Um, next bit of uh, of housekeeping, uh, my uh, previous my one of my previous guests reminded me that the the credentials should also be mentioned at the beginning of the episode. I'm working on getting that habit in, so if you're listening, I know who you are. Sorry, I forgot. Working on it. All right, that is everything that we've we got for today, uh, Christy. One more thank you for the road. Um, you've been a help even for 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 myself, and so I, and so I I just want to express that gratitude to you. And with that to my audience. As always, it is an honor and a privilege to collect this information, share it with all of you. And with that, take care. We will check in soon. Thanks for listening. You might have found this show on many number of platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you. So whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to Debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next. <laughs>